lecture six part one of the endowments of man by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture six self and conscience as unveiled in the book of job part one behold my witness is in heaven and he that knoweth my conscience is on high job chapter sixteen verse twenty the providence of god works in two directions that seem to be opposite but are both conservative of man this is equally true in the natural and in the supernatural order of providence the hand of god opens to pour blessings on us and closes to take a firmer hold of us the providence of prosperity enlarges us the providence of adversity makes us stronger to endure the one takes us abroad the other concentrates us within prosperity exalts us adversity brings us down to safety prosperity invites us to gratitude adversity builds us up in fortitude and magnanimity thus whilst prosperity should make us grateful adversity ought to make us generous by what god gives us we know his goodness by what he withholds from us we know our weakness and our wants the one is his bounty the other his discipline as the final end of man stands first in the view of god and all things ordained for man have that final end for their chief consideration the natural order of god's providence is directed with a final view to his supernatural providence whose immediate object is our supernatural end but this divine intention the supernatural man of faith can alone perceive in the first order of providence whilst man was yet innocent and evil was unknown all was prosperity but in hake providentia in this present dispensation which is adapted to the fallen condition of man one course of the divine providence moves in the direction of prosperity and the other in the direction of adversity the providence of adversity is ordained for the preservation of the soul from herself from her self-love elation and pride and to consolidate her in the stronger virtues of faith hope patience and fortitude with the gifts and advantages of nature god cherishes us in life with the privations and afflictions in which he leaves our nature the same divine goodness checks our presumption reminds us of our dependence and detaches us from the allurements of this earthly life when man lost his innocence and lost with his innocence his union with god an ever prospering order of providence in this world would have become to him the occasion of the greatest dangers and evils it would have detached him more and more from god and have filled him with an insufferable love of himself 
it was therefore providentially ordained by the benignity of god that the earth should produce thorns and briars that man should toil for his bread in the sweat of his brow and that he should encounter many tribulations whilst therefore the prospering providence of god was ordained to keep us in the world the adverse order of that same providence is ordained to keep us from the world that it may not too much absorb our life and also to bring us back to conscience and to god the providence of adversity looks to our trial and to our education for the kingdom of heaven that higher holier and more direct providence of god which is manifested to souls in the order of grace works also like the first in two conservative directions here also we experience the open hand of visible bounty and the closed hand that holds the soul under trial for her greater security the gifts of divine grace come from god to the soul in the open daylight of prosperity or in the obscure twilight of adversity at one time the soul is cheered with the conscious and sensible presence of the divine lights and graces at another they are given in darker more secret and drier forms of which nature is but little conscious but the night of trial is ordained to invigorate the soul with stronger faith and greater patience the will is called upon to brace itself with fortitude and to act less from the impulse of sensibility than from the strength of principle the constitution of the soul is invigorated by effort and is being prepared to act more purely and generously when the open day of prosperity returns in the order of his supernatural providence god provides for each soul according to its actual dispositions and requirements milk for the infants of grace sweet things for them who are but novices in the spiritual life strong meats for the strong whom he would make yet stronger with a hearty discipline the human soul is a deep abyss whose inmost depths are unsearchable to human eyes god alone knows what mysteries there are in those depths and what are the subtle windings in her ways that escape our view self-love has many refuges sensuality is not all in the body but has many secret ways of cleaving to the soul pride is not all on the surface its virulence lies deeper its bitterness is strongest in the roots that lurk in the deeper foundations of our nature and are there concealed in obscure caverns among the windings of the soul and hidden from observation the prophet david with all his light and clear-sightedness felt he had reason to say to god from my secret sins cleanse me o lord and st paul found it not unwise to say i am not conscious to myself of anything yet am i not hereby justified 
but he that judgeth me is the lord but god searches the dark places of the soul as with lamps the divine light makes us conscious of god but our own darkness makes us conscious of ourselves as the ray of his light beams into our souls we see that god is light and truth when that light is withdrawn we know that we are darkness he enlighteneth every man that cometh into this world and the light shineth in darkness in the light of prosperity we are lighted up in the twilight of adversity we are humbled down in consolation we know the goodness of god in desolation we know our own misery two things the just man must learn that he may become more just still and two things he must practice he must know more thoroughly what he is of himself and what he is by the grace of god he must take off his trust from himself and must rest his confidence wholly upon god but this is accomplished by the alternate opening and closing of the hand of god's grace at one time opening to us the serene day of spiritual prosperity at another closing upon us in the twilight of adversity david felt the divine gale when he sang oh how great is the multitude of thy sweetness o lord which thou hast hidden for them that fear thee thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy face from the disturbance of men but when he emerged from the trial of adversity he felt its strengthening power and how it detached him from trust in himself and he exclaims to all who are in like obscurity i said in the excess of my mind i am cast away before thine eyes therefore thou hast heard the voice of my prayer when i cried to thee o love the lord all ye his saints for the lord will requite truth and will repay them abundantly that act proudly do ye manfully and let your heart be strengthened all ye that hope in the lord when this night of adversity falls upon the faithful soul it is eminently conservative though it demands a great fidelity for though the grace that is given is dry obscure and secret it is strong and sustaining as the soul is left without the conscious sense of god's presence with her she feels the weakness and misery of her nature with a certain bitterness her native nothingness is searched more deeply and her darkness becomes more sensible from the memory of her former light like the apostle she receives from herself the answer of death not to trust in herself but in god who lifts up the humble the severe grace of god is cleansing her from her self-love detaching her from the subtle cleavings of sensuality and mortifying the roots of her pride through this interior discipline the soul gets a profounder knowledge of herself 
her will is called upon for more vigorous exertion to meet her difficulties her faith is deepened however unconsciously by its greater exercise her hope calls for strength by the apparently greater distance of its motive and by the less reason of truth that she finds in herself and the greater need for trust in god and her patience concentrates the powers of her soul into closer solidity but if her trials fail to advance that soul in the more solid and vigorous virtues the fault is not in the trial but in the soul unfaithful to the proof demanded of her the right conduct of the soul under the discipline of adversity is given with admirable perfection in the second chapter of ecclesiasticus son when thou comest to the service of god stand in justice and fear and prepare thy soul for temptation humble thy heart and endure incline thine ear and receive the words of understanding and make not haste in the time of clouds wait on god with patience join thyself to god and endure that thy life may be increased in the latter end take all that shall be brought upon thee and in thy sorrow endure and in thy humiliation keep patience for gold and silver are tried in the fire but acceptable men in the furnace of humiliation believe in god and he will recover thee and direct thy way and trust in him when god subjects a soul to great trials because he would consolidate her virtues and accumulate great sanctity in her he often accompanies her internal trials with external adversities and permits external afflictions to befall her from the natural course of providence as well as internal visitations from the closed hand in the divine and supernatural order trouble comes from the creature wounding when least expected as well as from internal desolation nor are the authors of these troubles always actuated by malice like satan with job but persons with no evil intentions will first misjudge and then act on their misjudgment like the four friends of job but when trial is heaped on trial from without from within and on every side and each of these trials gives weight and keenness to the other self-love finds nothing to repose upon pride has nothing left to feed upon the whole subjective creature tastes of bitterness to trust in one's self seems a mockery for the whole spirit of the man is humbled he finds himself out and nothing remains but god and hope and patience it is not in prosperity that a man best knows himself when the world smiles upon us and all things around us flatter our self-love our spirit must indeed be strongly united with god if we are not drawn out of ourselves away from our lights 
and weakened in the central spring and force of our soul only the firmest souls well disciplined already in the two ways of grace who have secured a calm centre of life that is never allowed to be intruded upon by whatever external movement can so use the world when born on the flood of prosperity as though they used it not when god intends to raise souls to a great and noble sanctity he does not trust them to prosperity sooner or later openly or secretly he sends troubles from the world or permits them troubles from evil spirits or troubles from themselves either one or two or all of these according to their strength by these trials and reverses they learn to know themselves they gain the deep consciousness of the helplessness of their nature and draw closer to god from fear of themselves interior prosperity too much prolonged especially with weak and untried souls is often dangerous to advancement more even than external prosperity on stronger souls the soul gets elated with her gifts ruffles herself with conceits and is contented with her surface lights while in her deeper heart and lower sensibilities where the roots of self-love and pride are by no means extirpated the sharp remedies of humiliation and trial are needed before the soil of the spirit can be purged and prepared for god's holier gifts of light and sanctity the greatest teachings are in great examples not to speak at this moment of the example of our blessed lord in whom whatever is human is also divine the sacred scriptures give us great examples of human nature under the most terrible trials where what is but obscurely seen in ordinary cases is there exhibited with a force and clearness that reveals our human nature to its lowest depths of these examples the greatest in the old testament are those of job and david both princes both rulers of men in the case of both these princes and prophets we behold the history of a prosperity mounting even to the heavens and then of an adversity descending even to the abyss yet each of them recovered his prosperity with a more wise serene and perfect soul both have left us the effusion of their souls the historic truth of which is guaranteed by divine inspiration and in both their histories we behold our human nature probed by suffering and sorrow to its lowest depths as a revelation of what is most hidden in human nature there is nothing like the words of job except the psalms of david and the epistles of st paul unless we may add to them the confessions of st augustine then the venerable antiquity of this book of job the sublimity of its composition 
the fact that it records the words of a patriarch who lived outside if not before the law of moses a book nevertheless that has been a profound instruction both to the judaic and the christian church all these facts combine to give a singular and solemn significance to its teachings for the period of four thousand years the patience of job has been a proverb that has strengthened many a weary mind some have thought the book of job to be a parable and that job had no personal existence but as st thomas observes after st gregory although this may not much concern us as far as the inspired doctrine of the book is concerned it very much concerns us as far as historical truth is in question in the prophet ezekiel we read when a land shall sin against me if three just men noah daniel and job shall be in it they shall deliver their own souls by their justice saith the lord of hosts here job is numbered among living men with noah and daniel in the book of tobias it is said this trial therefore the lord permitted to happen to him that an example might be given to prosperity as also the patience of job for as the kings insulted over holy job so his relations and kinsmen mocked against his life st james also says in his epistle behold we account them blessed who have endured you have heard of the patience of job and you have seen the end of the lord that he is merciful and compassionate thus both the old and new testaments unite in presenting job to us as an historic person to be brief where much might be said the septuagint version the arabic and the old italic identify job with jobab who ruled in the city of jethem he was the son of zara and bosra the fifth in descent from abraham through esau whose genealogy is recorded in genesis and who is numbered among the chiefs of edom in paralipomenon a great deal of tradition supports this view as well as the greek version of theodotion everything recorded of job and his friends has a local character and color and there is a considerable coincidence in his history with names of persons and places given in other parts of sacred history then job is a conspicuous figure of christ a prophet of the redemption and of the resurrection from the dead and he is celebrated as a saint both in the eastern monologies and in the roman martyrology End of Lecture 6, Part 1